Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. My name is Nejda Zaturyan. I'm the editor of the creative tech section here at EVN Report. This week, we are continuing our series of podcasts from the Science and Technology Convergence Conference. We were happy to be the media partner of the STC Conference, which was organized by SmartGate's Catalyst Foundation, with the support of the European Union and the GIZ Foundation. Our guest today is Artem Haruchunyan. Artem is the co-founder and chief technology officer at Bardeen.ai. Bardeen is a tool that helps automate repetitive tasks and build more productive workflows. Thank you for listening. Artem, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Artem, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, your story in the Armenian tech sector. Well, um, I was born born and raised mostly in Armenia, started my career uh, in science, uh, moved to Silicon Valley about 10 years ago and started Bardeen about two years ago. Mm -hmm. Were you working in the Armenian tech sector at all before starting a company? No, I worked at a research institute here, Yerevan Physics Institute, while I was here. And then uh, I moved to Geneva. I was at CERN for a few years uh, as a senior fellow. And then I moved to the Valley where I worked for uh, American companies. Right. Uh, Tell me a little bit about why you decided to transition from science to the entrepreneurial world. I think it's uh, it's a conversation that can take many hours. Uh, TLDR is that I... uh, so basically, there were the, like the one kind of the straw that broke camel's back was Mark Andreessen's talk. So I was visiting Palo Alto for uh, for a conference, and there was a Y Combinator startup school. So I was there, and they were having Mark Andreessen. So he's known for one of person who wrote the first commercial web browser. Right. And CERN, uh, the institution that I was representing, is known for actually inventing the web. Right. So the HTTP protocol and HTML were invented at CERN. And Mark was telling an anecdote from early days of the web uh, where he had to basically uh, convince people at CERN that HTML standard needs an image tag. Mm-hmm. In other words, people at CERN were not convinced that anyone would need images on the web. You know, he, he told that story, the audience chuckled, and I kind of realized that I'm on the wrong side of that equation. Right. Um, so that was, and like half a year later, uh, I was in Silicon Valley. Right. What what type of companies did you work at before starting Bardeen? My background is in infrastructure, so I always did. I call it like the plumbing of the internet and the types of things that no one even suspects that are there, but without it, like nothing works. So I started, I always did systems. So I started with operating systems, then I moved to distributed systems. So I always dealt with big data, large scale distributed. So anything, compute, networking, storage. So that's what I did at CERN. And then when I moved to Silicon Valley, that's how I continued. And honestly, um, I just got tired of it after having been doing that for 20-ish yeah. years. I was like, you know, I need to do something else. And then I started Bardeen. And, right. you know, half a year later, I, I realized that I'm still doing the same things because yeah. people that I knew were were like infrastructure people. Right. So I hired a bunch right. of them. <laughs> it's and so for we're, you. we're doing very, very interesting infrastructure work disguised yeah. as a, as a yeah. prosumer kind of end-user product, right. which is 
really fascinating for me. So tell us about the product, Bardeen, and what problem you guys are trying to solve. The product, it's an automation product. So we basically automate tasks that are uh, mundane, repeatable, and automatable. Because uh, at some point, I and my co-founder kind of independently realized that uh, we spend a lot of time just basically serving computers. Like imagine, I so for instance, for your podcast, you need to do research on like whoever you're talking to. Um, and I guess, you know, you go to LinkedIn, you punch in a name, and then if it's interesting, you copy-paste the data from LinkedIn to, and then you have to write an email. I'm sure you have a template where you just have to, like, replace yeah. the name and so on and so forth, right? So so that's the repeatable part right. of your daily work that you don't even realize is repeatable. But if you think what's happening is there is LinkedIn, which is a computer system, which has its own way of representing data yeah you take that copy to google sheets which is another computer system so basically you're these two things do not talk to each other like right. linkedin does not know how to talk to google sheets but then here you are like highly intelligent person with like highly valuable time helping this like two stupid computer systems talk and that's in essence what we want to solve right so and there's like a myriad of examples in any person's day where they do this without realizing so we basically reduce that entire workflow of like you're going to linkedin copy pasting to google yeah. sheets to gmail right now we reduce it to a click so you basically can create what we call a playbook that will do that in a click but the ultimate goal is to basically have someone on your shoulder like looking over your shoulder realizing recognizing that these are repeatable patterns in your work and then suggesting those shortcuts for you so you mm -hmm. don't even need to bother thinking about that and creating those shortcuts right. so what are some of the most common uh, tasks that your customers are automating today what are you seeing the thing is like everyone's workflows are very similar but not exactly similar right. so if you look at the distribution it's going to be a very long tail meaning uh it's kind of hard to pick like one category and that like prevails but by and large i think where we see a lot of traction is for instance uh, I, w i call this category list building mm -hmm. so basically what i described in case of like in your case where you need to research or create some sort of a list for your podcast guests recruiters do the same thing business development people do the same thing lead generation sales do the same thing like marketers do the same thing when they're researching influencers so that's one category the other category is like operationalizing so here's the thing i think what with covid we you know we, we have heard about this like um the great resignation mm -hmm. right where like a lot of people just quit their jobs and so and so what happens is one of the big problems that companies have is that You know, if you have someone who's going to be there for four years, it's okay to have them train for six months to right. learn ins and outs of your organization. So if you're hiring a lead generation person, it takes them a lot of time to figure out, okay, what is the right Google sheet that I have to copy this right. data to? Right. What is the right Slack channel that I have to drop this message into, so on and so forth. However, if the half-life of your employee is eight months, you cannot afford to spend six of those just to train them right. because then that cost does not amortize over time. Right. It's much bigger than a category. It's, it's rather a problem that people solve with tools like ours where you basically codify that institutional knowledge. Mm -hmm. 
right? So like instead of teaching a person like, hey, these are the 15 Notion documents that you have to bookmark and these are the five Slack channels that you have to drop your messages into, now you create a shortcut. And so when they show up to work, you say, if you see an interesting candidate, if you get a lead, if just click this button. Right. And then the magic happens behind the scenes. Right. So you guys, one of the things that your product can really help out with is making companies, I guess, a lot less vulnerable to high turnover of employees because some of those tasks are codified in an automational tool like exactly. Party. Right. Yes. Yeah. Spot on. And I mean, that also has a lot of other benefits. For instance, now you ensure consistency, right? Yeah. Like if you have five people who are doing sourcing of candidates for you now every one of them will do it in a consistent way meaning you know they would not forget to also capture like email of the candidate or whatnot so and there are a lot of other kind of yeah similar benefits of of doing it that way so it sounds like a lot of the things that you guys can automate today are based around what data is easily extractable is that a fair characterization we we like to think of ourselves of you know the goal is to automate anything that you right. do in a browser. Mm-hmm. We support about like 30 applications uh, like you know Slack right. or like Gmail or a Jira or I call it a hipster mm-hmm. stack that we have yeah. like an, an integ- like native integration right. with that you can do much more than mm-hmm. just extracting data. Right. Uh, like for instance, we can join your calendar. We can join your meetings for you automatically and stuff right. like that. So right. we integrate with calendar and whatnot. And for sites that do not have a, an API, uh, which is the majority of sites on the internet, we, we have built a way to extract data right. from because we're in the browser. But we're much more than just the data, data extraction. extraction. Yeah. What are some things that you can automate today that people might be surprised to learn about? And what are some things that are coming, you think, in the coming, you know, let's say, five years with as browser technology develops and just the, the web moves forward, what are some things that we'll be able to automate in the coming future? Maybe people get surprised. I, I bet like a lot of our users get this like wow mo- moment yeah. because I'm in it every day. It's like... Yeah, it's less shocking for yeah. you. <laughs> so, uh, but these are things that we kind of mindlessly spend time on without even realizing. Like imagine you have a meeting. I bet some of them are recorded on Zoom. Now when your meeting is done, you have to... Uh, share that recording with the people. And and so think about everything that you have to do. First, you have to wait for that email from Zoom to come. Then you have to go back, find the meeting on a calendar, copy, like create an email to the participants of the meeting, paste the link from Zoom. And uh, so that's something that we have an existing, uh, we call it playbooks, basically. Uh, We have a catalog of those automations that you can just enable this with one click. So say, oh, like do this for me every time right. or do this right. for me for certain Zoom meetings or whatever. Uh, so those are the kinds of things where there are, I mean, some cases where people, they just write us thank you emails where they say, hey, I just did something in half an hour that would have otherwise taken me two weeks to accomplish, right? right? Like list building and, and stuff like that. But by and large, for the majority of users, it's this small air quote things that compound over time. Right. If you look at the end of the week, you have spent five or six hours like throughout the week. Maybe none of those would in 
just in isolation and be like, oh yeah, this is like a cool, yeah. this is a nice gizmo. But the real value is like when it compounds. Right. And what about something in the near future that you think will be able to automate? Well, one thing that we want to automate that is a really hard problem is uh, uh, creation of those automations, basically automating the automation. Uh, because everyone has their own unique workflows. Everyone uh, uses a different combination of the apps there is no like it's just combinatorially impossible to come up with all the variations right. and and provide them out of the box so we, what we want to do is have this uh basically synthesize automations for you so basically you would install bardeen maybe you find something from the catalog right out of the box great maybe not but then four days later you get an email saying like hey Najda, we saw that you wasted like three hours doing this, five hours doing that, right. and two hours doing this, and we synthesized automations for you. Right. Here, like, please review them and enable them. Right. So that's going to be magic. Right. Like so that's recognizing the, what can be automated. Yeah. And it's a very, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to do, but. Uh, you think that's in like the five-year time frame or? No, 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 no. I mean, uh, not five-year, no. Let, well, I mean, uh, it's. I don't want to be committing right. to shipping software right. <laughs> while being on record, right. but it's soon. Let's okay. It this okay. Yeah, it's very, I mean, we already have a working prototype yeah. for a few of those tasks. It's hard to generalize because, I mean, users have very little tolerance for software being wrong. We right. don't recognize this, but like we've been trained to have a very high standard. So before we roll something out, before we make it generally available, you have to get it like it has to work in nine out of 10 right, cases. Right. Um, so that's what we're kind of working on, like perfecting, but we already have something in the, in basically the, in in the, the lab. So, yeah. yeah. You guys recently announced a funding round. Um, what do you guys have planned for the, the future of Bardeen? Uh, I mean, in, in terms of funding, we're very well capitalized. We have ridiculously long runway. Hopefully we will never need to raise uh, capital again. That's great. Definitely, I would not, want to be raising in this environment yeah. uh, specifically. But you guys probably closed your round right at the right time. Right? Well, yes. Yeah. I think had we done it like half, a, half an hour earlier, it would probably have been even better. But we partnered with an amazing firm. Uh, we got a very good, very favorable terms. But when we were closing, we were already like hearing the cracks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've yeah. been, uh, we, we timed it well. Right. <laughs> Anything in regards to the future of the company, expansion plans or product? We're, we're hiring. Right now, we're uh, 14 people. Actually, my, Around my, the world, my right? grandmother asked me <laughs> <laughs> yesterday, just like, like who, where are they from? And right. it's literally all over the world. It's, we have like Colombia, US, Italy, Greece, Germany. Wow. We have like Russian. We have someone in, in France, although she's Russian. So we're hiring very slowly. I have, I think spoke to at this point probably like i don't know 90 people easily to to hire like seven right um so and out of those seven was like four or five were people who i worked with before so right. really to hire like two or three right. uh but yes i mean we have a lot of money that we need to spend right and most of it is going to be spent on obviously manpower right but so yeah we are uh, expanding. Mm -hmm. Okay, and let's talk a little bit about STCC. We're here at the the conference today. What's your takeaway so far? What do you hope that will come of of today's event? 
to me, and I have been kind of indoctrinated. I started my career in uh, academia, and Silicon Valley has such strong ties with. It's not. It's not a coincidence that Silicon Valley was like that. Like Stanford and Berkeley are in Silicon Valley, but right. it's actually the other way around. Right. Uh, Silicon, Silicon Valley, Valley is, is where Stanford. it is because right. of Stanford and Berkeley. And to me, it's like so blatantly obvious right. like i don't even know what we need to discuss here <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like science right. is very it, it's not just important it's a necessary prerequisite if we're being serious about anything other than doing just outsourcing and competing with other countries just not doing very intellectually stim like stimulating work right. so it's super encouraging to see a uh, number of people and the potential and that we have i think it's high time for us to graduate from a country where like people just come to outsource to a country where we uh, can really provide i don't want to say a real intellectual value because even doing outsourcing is intellectual value i i don't want to diminish the importance or the complexity or, or anything of it. But I think we need to graduate from there to, to doing something that provides a different kind of value that's like very, very unique and differentiated. Right. And I think we've really started to see that over the last four or five years with the emergence of several deep tech startups in Armenia. And it seems like a lot of the venture capital firms operating here are more and more focused on science-backed startups. And hopefully that number is, is growing. Yeah. Yes, and... I you know, I was talking to, I like to think that I'm pretty well plugged into the Armenian startup ecosystem. And we were, uh, we were actually having, I was having a conversation with, there were probably like seven or eight founders of fairly successful Armenian startups doing, solving hard problems, uh, ML operations, like that sort of stuff. And you know, we just like went around the table, pretty much every single one of them came from like three schools, like high schools. We all went through like three or four high right. schools. And my question is like, why do we only have four? Right. It's like, it's, it would be super cheap, yeah. like very cheap to yeah. have 40 of those high schools, not four. Yeah. And, and then just like, you know, 20 people from those high schools are going to triple the GDP of Armenia over the next 10 years, right. I promise you. Yeah. Of course, like we don't expect high schools to do science, but that's like top of funnel. Yeah. I think that's yeah. where the, where the like, and that's the easiest part to solve. Yeah. So I'm actually looking forward to discussing some like very practical, like, okay, what can we do right. today to... Right. Uh, the most common thing amongst all our podcast guests over the last seven, eight months that we've been doing this that they graduated from Fismath. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's dive a little bit deeper into, you said that you have some ideas on really things that can, the sort of the 20% that will have the 80% impact on economic growth and development of the scientific sector in Armenia. Let's speak a little bit more about that. What are your thoughts? I think, you know, if like we're starting from the beginning. I think we have this, Throughout the years, I don't know, maybe it was it is because for like thousand years we did not have a state and but we seem to have atrophied the ability to think long term. And by long term I'm not speaking like two hundred years, which which we should totally do, but twenty years. Right. I think it, we seem to be very reactionary to what's happening and then uh we don't learn that well and we scramble when something happens it's very apparent even 
even if like every time there is an attack, yeah, people just get up in arms right. and everyone wants to do something, and then the attack stops. And the initiatives and, die down. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone is like back to business as, as usual. So I think what we should do generally to to think about like okay let's say in 15 years we want to have x and like work our way backwards right and i think we should really start at at schools that's that's really really important and you're talking like at the high school high or school even yes I, i'm talking at high school because if you think about it we have very good like outstanding results at the olympiads and everything yeah. we go to all the olympiads and we definitely punch above our weight and those are generally the people if you look like who who is starting companies and stuff like that those are those are the ones that end right. up doing that I, i would start there and again to me this is a super easy problem to that's like easy yeah. we know because like we know a lot of people in this country who can teach high school math right. and physics and chemistry and biology at a very very high very level. high level and then with a bit of coordination we can get those kids to some of the best universities in the world and again we have a network there yeah. we have even here we have a bunch of professors i just actually walked out from the talk from like uh, a president of uh, university of san jose which is one of the major uh, schools in, in the California, bay area yeah. so we have the resources and these are the things so i think by doing those things we would solve some of the top of funnel problems right. and then we already have again a network of scientists from who have very good positions in top universities of the world we don't need them here we don't necessarily need to bring them all here and they all want to be involved one way or another so I think it's um, like a bit of like, you know, coordination, long-term thinking. And again, we have to think beyond election cycles and right. political, uh, yeah. like, I don't know what's the right institution to think of it and, and put a policy in place that would be implemented uh, because we cannot be reactionary. We cannot kind of wake up from like, like war to yeah. war or from attack. Th that's not going to work. Right. So. Yeah. Actually, you know, you mentioned engaging top professors that we have in the diaspora at different universities. In 2019, I believe, at the same conference, Science and Technology Conference, the idea of Biosim was, was born. Uh, so with Professor Gagik Papoyan uh, from the University of Maryland. And perhaps today some other ideas will emerge that will turn into startups. But another thing you mentioned was taking some of those top students at these specialized schools and sending them to the best universities in the world. Sometimes there's this discourse in Armenia that the investment in these individual students, which can be you know, upwards of two, $300,000, um, is not worth it. That, that investment, that capital, should be focused on improving the system in Armenia. What are your thoughts on that? That's stupid. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> uh, and there are many reasons. First of all, I, I know a lot of those guys, and I don't know a single one of them. Yeah. Who is not contributing yeah. that money back? Secondly, that money does not have to be come out of like state budget. Yeah, there there's a lot of ways to go around it. Most like the best schools, they kind of pride themselves on the fact that once you get admitted, like there there is no one who is not attending those schools because yeah. of a lack of funding. Right. They have 
super deep pockets. They have very long-term thinking. It's, it's actually funny. Uh, I attended uh, Stanford recently, and I was, I was trying to basically reverse engineer the admissions process. Mm -hmm. like I was like trying to understand what do you need to be or do so that they like you. Right. And I, I talked to a bunch of professors and, and to a bunch of people, and I realized that the criteria that they optimize for, which is super smart, when they look at the person is, is this person going to enrich our alumni network? When basically that's that's their their Long -term kind of thinking, thinking right? right? So yeah. like in twenty years, once this person graduates, what is their potential of being so cool that when someone looks at them, it's like, oh, you know, he went to Stanford, yeah. or she went to Stanford. So that's yeah. the kind of thinking that these schools have. Yeah, they have super deep pockets, and then honestly, there are like hundreds of schools in in Europe, in Germany, in Italy, in France, and. and Like money is not an issue is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Right. Like it's a very lazy way of thinking. thinking that like, oh, let's not even try. Like, I don't know. That's like some sort of like loser mentality. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting angry. <laughs> it's just like so wrong <laughs> yeah. to, to think about that. Like, you know, like I promise you, if you get into a, a, a great program in some of your, like, you know, like in some of those universities, like, the universe will manifest that money for you to go there. Yeah. Like, it will happen. <laughs> Even if the universe doesn't, the, yeah. the tax revenue from the startups, they end somehow, up Somehow, yeah. like, somehow, some <laughs> right. way, you yeah. will have, yeah. like, you will find a way. Just to, just to, like, one analogy, there are two startups, at least, uh, I'll name them, Wirestock and Super Annotate, whose founders uh, did a similar program of going to the U.S. for undergrad, And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people went with that program for undergrad studies in the U.S. and many of them didn't come back or stayed. But just those two coming back and building their companies, the tax revenue generated from that easily covers theirs and, yeah, you know, I mean, several others. Active loop code signal yeah, service type. It's like, kind it, of self-evident, yeah, right? It, that, there, yeah. there, there are a lot of them. And yeah. I also heard this great, this really interesting point once made by an Armenian founder that If you only stay in Armenia, and if the only experience you get is from the local Armenian ecosystem, often you won't be able to tackle some of the bigger problems or build the products that get, gain global traction because you won't see what there is you know, yeah. in the rest of the world, right? So that exposure is super important. I think we're very, I think we're too much focused on like staying in Armenia yeah. part of the... I mean, it's super important to, I, I call it like maintain presence here. You know, if you were a painter or like an artist during Renaissance, you had to be in Florence. Right. If you were like, if you were Van Gogh, like he had to go to Paris, even the genius that he was, he couldn't have done it in his, in his Dutch village. And he realized that and he had to be in Paris to, to become who, who he was. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That's fine. Like even people, uh, you know, I was listening to a bunch of interviews with like uh, Alex Karp, who is the CEO of Palantir, a fascinating company and uh, was co-founded by Peter Thiel, who himself, by the way, is German. Right. Uh, and, and he was talking about this, about like a German diaspora in Silicon Valley. Right. And like Germany is arguably <laughs> right. one of the most developed nations, cultures right. there is. And it's okay. That's how the world yeah. works. Yeah. And Like, you know, going there doesn't mean like cutting ties or anything. It's you have to do this. Yeah. Like you cannot. There is no there is no one place. 
even Silicon Valley, like it's not American. People right. don't realize it. It's it's probably more American than anything else, but it's not American. It's a melting pot it's where like everyone comes. Yeah. Including the you know co-founder of like Superannuate, right, right, you know, and everyone else. I'm also part of the statistic, uh, right, you know. So th th that's okay. And some of them will stay, some of them will come back. But it's a numbers game, right? It's it's very hard to make predictions, especially about the future. Yeah, like you you don't know what's going to happen, so you just it's like spray and pray. Yeah. Again, I have not met a single person from Armenia or of Armenian descent who at least does not have an intent of doing something good for yeah. Armenia. Yeah, I completely um, agree. If you send 100 kids to Stanford, and even if only 10 of them come back or are directly engaged in some really impactful way in Armenia, it's way better than having none, right? So. And send them to UC or Irvine or sure, anywhere. Yeah. Like, you know, they don't yeah, all yeah. need to that, go to Stanford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't. Or like send them to some school in France or, yeah, or Germany. Sure. It doesn't sure. matter. Yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah. Some of them, some of them are definitely going yeah. to do something great and, and like come back and, you know. I, I couldn't agree yeah. more. Yeah. Artem, this was super fascinating. I think we could go on for a few more hours. <laughs> but Yeah, easily. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah.